The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. It won't be long Your life will pass by as a vapor And you will stand before the judgment seat of God And every secret deed and thought Every wrinkle, every spot will be in view Before the one who knows all things The Lord of Lord and King of Kings You know the one you never knew While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment That's to come He is the shelter From the coming storm shakes at the mention of his name he has power over life and death every knee will bow and tongue confess heaven and earth will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father will you bow will you to his majesty he can save you from the might of all your sin this is the fight in which he stands in perfect victory while you have breath you have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come From the coming storm While you have breath 
You have a choice to make in life Turn away from all your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter from the coming storm. He's the only shelter from the coming storm. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. What do you want from Jesus? The world as you know it is about to radically change, and it will not ever go back to the normal, comfortable American life that we have all loved and experienced. And so what do you want from God? What do you want from Jesus? Every indication at this point is that there will be at least probably a limited nuclear exchange in the world with many, many people dying. The world cannot go back to what it is now, ever. We are at a financial precipice where there will be a total economic collapse. There will be hunger and starvation. I'm not the one saying this. This is mainstream news saying this. Leading economists are saying this. So what do you want from from Jesus? as the world tears itself apart, threatens the very existence of the human person, what do you want from Jesus? We've been studying the book of John. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that you would make very plain to our hearts what it is we need to ask from you and to look to you for. Jesus, you're everything. There is nothing without you, except death and destruction, famine. Lord, I'm looking at you today. I am am hiding under your wing. And I am trusting you. And I am praying for your peace, the peace of Jerusalem, the peace of America, the peace of Russia, that the gospel of Jesus would not be hindered 
but rather men and women would turn quickly to you, Jesus, and get right with you in this small window of time that we have. I ask that you would come and deal with our hearts, stubborn, rebellious, angry, entitled. Oh, Lord, come and deal with our hearts. Deal with my heart. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your mighty name. Amen. Jesus made his way walking to Jerusalem, his disciples with him. It was a great feast. On a Sabbath morning, probably early, he made his way by himself walking to the pool of Bethesda. I've been to that pool. I've dipped my hands in it. I've wept there. And I've prayed there. There were five porches then. In these porches were lying a large number of people, of men, who were sick. Some were blind, some were crippled, some were paralyzed. They were all there expecting the moving of the water, expecting and wanting deliverance, wanting healing. It was their belief that an angel would go down to the pool from time to time and stir the water. And the person who was first into the water after the stirring up was made whole of whatever sickness by whatever he was bound. Now, there was a certain man there. The scriptures tell us in John, the fifth chapter, that he had been sick for 38 years. Can you imagine? 38 years he's been an invalid lying beside this pool. And there was a time when he had enough strength that he could be at least close to being the first one into the pool. He'd been there long enough. He could change positions. He could just roll off the edge into the water. But never was he the first person in because he was not quick enough or strong enough. Now comes Jesus. Jesus sees this man lying there and he is talking with people and learning things about those who are there. He's told that this man had been there a long time, 38 years. Have you experienced anything like this? Have you been bound? Have you been unable to get free Some of you today who are listening have been bound by sickness. Some of you have been bound with fear and depression. 
Some of you have been bound with family being angry with you or people you know who curse your name and speak evil against you. You've been bound. Whatever it is in your life that binds you, it is Jesus that we need to have come walking in the early hours of the morning to speak with us about this binding that we've experienced. And may I broaden this out and say, the Gospel of John is about going deep and giving the inner, mean- the inner meanings of Jesus' ministry and life. Now it's clear in these first chapters, he gives two signs. One, a sign that he is the Messiah by creating water into wine. Not wine from a grape, but wine of cleansing his blood. The second great sign was the healing of a royal man's son in Cana of Galilee. Jesus has gathered his disciples. Crowds are eager to hear him preach. He touches the sick and restores them and heals them. There is a desperate need today for America to have Jesus come and set us free from the vile wickedness that is spewing forth in this country in every possible kind of wicked perversion. America is bound in sin. America is bound in bitter conflict in arrogance. America is bound. It does not know Jesus Christ. America needs Jesus to come. I want you to hear the question that Jesus comes and asks this man. Do you want to be made well? Not do you want to get well? Do you want to be made well? Do you want outside influence to penetrate your life and heal you and restore you? Now, many people today don't want any outsider to speak into their life with any kind of recommendation. They're too angry. They're too bitter. They're too full of themselves. They think that they are their own answer. Some think they are their own God. And so they don't want to hear anything from outside. They're not miserable enough to want to have outside interference in their lives. The question, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be restored? And all of the sons and daughters of Adam have been born into sin. The natural inclination of the human heart is 
incredible wickedness. Look in Romans. It's very clear. Maybe I need to turn there quickly and just share this again with you. It's, it's frankly, quite terrifying. In Romans, and we're going to go to the third chapter, there is not a righteous man, not even one. In other words, we're all sick. There's no one understanding, no one seeking God. Every conceivable man turned away. Together they became morally depraved. That's a description of the American man and woman. There's no one doing what is right. There's not so much as one. Their throat is like a grave having been opened. They were working deceit with their tongues. Venom of deadly viper is under their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitter trouble. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Devastation and misery are in their way. And a way of peace they they know not. There's no fear of God before their eyes. This is a description of America, of every human person. Now you say, but, but pastor, even wicked people have an inclination toward kindness. Yes, because the Holy Spirit is working in them. It's not of them. It is of God working in their hearts, trying to win them trying to place them in a position where they will finally hear the question, do you want to be made well? How much do you need to lose? How much misery do you need to suffer before you finally will admit, I need help? I can honestly say to you today, I need help. I need Jesus in all of his fullness. He has come many times and he's led me and he's touched me and he's healed me. But remember what Jesus said and we'll speak about it in a minute. Without sin, he said, I can do nothing without the Father. Well, I honestly confess today while not walking in any known sin. I need Jesus. I can do nothing. Before this broadcast, my wife and I were praying for you today, confessing before God that we can do nothing that it is the Holy Spirit by the power of the blood of Jesus that does the work of drawing our hearts and preparing us to answer the question, do you want to get well? Do you want to be made well? Yes, Jesus. Yes, I want to be made well. There are some considerations that need to be taken. If this man answers yes to the question, do you want to be made well? You'll have to become responsible. 
he will no longer be able to play the victim. He will have to take up his mat, and he'll have to walk about. Now, he may want to just stay right there. And some of you do not want to have Jesus intervene in your life because, frankly, you're quite happy the way you are. And you don't want any interference in your life. You don't want any suggestions in your life. You just are happy with the way you are. But Jesus comes and asks the question, Do you want to be made well? How do you answer that question today? Some of you are going to say, yes, yes, I want to be made well. Some of you are going to answer the question, I don't need to be made well. I'm fine. Thank you very much. I like my life. And you may like it until you're dying of cancer. You may be very happy with your life until you lose all your money. You may be very happy with your life until you're homeless and on the street, hungry, naked. At what point would you finally say, yes, yes, I want to be made well. But listen to the way this man answered. Sir, I have no man that when the water may be stirred up, he may put me in the pool. But while I'm coming, another man goes down before me. In other words, look, poor me. I can't do anything. He can't even answer the question, do you want to be made well? All he can say is, look, I can't get in the pool soon enough. Poor me. I've tried everything I know. I've tried as hard as I could. I've begged people to help me. I've begged my family to help me. Nobody will help me. Everybody just leaves me alone. Poor victim. Nobody loves him. He might as well just go and eat worms. He can stay right there beside that pool until his bones are dead. And then they'll put him in a grave. His life is utterly hopeless. And I dare say, some of you today may feel like your life is hopeless. You've given it your best shot. You know you'll never be stronger than you were 10 years ago. You know you're losing it. You're hopeless. You can't heal your sickness. You can't heal your cancer. You can't heal your blood problem. You can't heal your depression. You can't heal your dementia. You can't do anything. And Jesus comes asking the question, Do you want to be made well? Divine healing is not something that is worked up in the heart. Divine healing is not Scientology. Divine healing is 
the direct coming of Jesus in miracle-working power and making you well. It is the divine working on the human body and the human mind and changing what's happening in that mind or in that body and restoring you to health. This man's only answer is, I have no one to help me. I have no one to pick me up and put me in the pool. My situation is hopeless. I want to speak especially to those of you today who are saying in your inner being, my marriage is hopeless. My child is hopeless. My wife, my husband, my family, it's all hopeless. My job situation I hate. It's hopeless. I can't deliver myself. I've tried, but I have to have the money and I'm I'm hopeless. So when you get up and go outside, the sky is gray every day. There's no sunshine in your heart. I want to speak to you. Right now, Jesus is coming to you. And he's asking you the question. Do you want to get well? Do you want Jesus to come and touch you and make you well? Do you want Jesus to intervene in your life and heal you? Jesus said to the man, You get up right now, take up your pallet, and begin walking around. And immediately, the man became well. He picked up his pallet and was walking around. That's divine healing. How do we get divine healing? We find the promises of God... And we stand upon them. And we wait upon the Lord. And we cry out to him. This passage over here in the book of Luke. Some people say, just pray one time and and don't pray again. Or that's unbelief. Luke, the 11th chapter, I'll begin in verse 9. I say to you, you must keep on asking, and it will be given to you. You must keep on seeking, and you will find. You must keep on knocking, and it will be opened 
to you. For everyone asking receives, and the one seeking will find, and to the one knocking it will be opened. Now which father of you, if the son will ask for bread, he will not give him a stone, will he? Or even a fish, he will not instead of a fish give him a snake, will he? Or even if he might ask for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father from heaven give you the Holy Spirit to the one asking him? Now let's be clear. With the coming of the Holy Spirit comes all of the other gifts that we need, the healing the restoration. When do you stop praying? When you have confirmed by the Holy Spirit in your heart that he has heard you and that he will do what you have asked him to do. Now, from that point forward, it is praise and worship and honor to Jesus because he's going to do what he promised he would do. Jesus speaks immediately to this man, and I need to tell you, he will not speak immediately most of the time. I've been waiting on the Lord for many years. Moses was in the wilderness for 40 years. I've passed those 40 years waiting on revival It's taken a long time for the Lord to bring humility into my heart. He brought that humility into Moses' heart. Where finally Moses just said, look, I'm not worthy. Go choose somebody else, please. I understand. You get to a place where you say, look, I can't do anything. That's such an awesome place to be. Because now Jesus is coming. And he'll say, you get up right now. Take up your pallet and begin walking around. And immediately the man became well. He picked up his pallet and he was walking around. Now it was a Sabbath on that day. And so the Jews were saying to the one having been healed, It is a Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry the pallet. He answered them, The one having made me well. That one said to me, You must get up now, right now. Take up your pallet and begin to walk around. Then they questioned him, Who is this man? The one having said to you, You get up right now and take up your pallet and begin walking around. But... The one having been healed had not known who he was, for Jesus slipped away, a multitude being in that place. There were lots of people milling around among these sick people, and Jesus just turned and made his way away. And this man is dancing and shouting, he's healed. And Jesus is gone. But after these things, Jesus finds him in the temple. And he said to him, Look, Or, listen to me, look, having been made well, 
you must stop sinning from now on so that something worse may not happen to you. You must stop sinning now. Now, why would Jesus direct the Apostle John to take all of these verses, the precious space being taken up by the story of this man being made well? Why? Why is he telling this story? Because he wants to bring a direct confrontation to the wicked Jewish rabbis, Pharisees, and scribes. He wants to draw a very clear line between himself and his teaching and the wicked teaching of the Pharisees. He answers, My father is working until now, and I am working. So because of this, the Jews were seeking more than ever to kill him, for he was not only breaking the Sabbath, but even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. He came to confront the Jewish people once again and say, Look, I am God. They would not turn to him. They would not listen to him. They would not subject themselves to Jesus. Okay. So in AD 70, the Romans came and they destroyed Jerusalem and the Jewish people lost their home. Why? Because they utterly rejected Jesus Christ. But Jesus enters into this dialogue with them. It is a hopeless dialogue. They are not going to listen. But there are some things that Jesus will use this to teach others. Jesus answered and said to them in verse 19, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son is not able to do one thing by himself except what he may see the Father do. For whatever things that one may do, the Son does these things equally. Now, I want you to get a picture. Jesus is the Son of God. He is God. But he is in human flesh. He is in connection with his Father. He will only do what he sees the Father doing and what he hears the Father telling him to do. We are called to that same position with Jesus. We'll get to it later in this book, but John 15 is very clear that we are to abide or we are to remain or we are to rest in Jesus and he will rest in us. So that now you may be making all of your own choices and your own decisions, walking in rebellion and bitterness and anger, not having the love of God in your heart, being sick, being tired, being bitter, being angry. It's time to come to Jesus. Remember, there is only healing in Jesus Christ. There is only peace in your marriage 
in Jesus Christ. When you stop doing what you want to do and you begin to express and deal as only Jesus would express and deal. For the Father loves the Son, and he is showing him all the things that he himself is doing, and he will show him greater works than these, so that you may marvel. Verse 21, For even as the Father raises the dead and makes alive, so also the Son makes alive whom he wills. Does Jesus will to make you alive? Yes. But you must answer the question, do you want to be made well? Are you willing to recognize and admit to your sickness? Are you willing to recognize and admit that every attempt you have tried to make to be somebody, in reality, inside, you know you are empty? You have a hole in your heart the size you could drive a semi-truck through. Are you willing to admit in your heart, in your spirit, are you willing to admit that you are not God? Are you willing to admit that you need Jesus? I meet a lot of religious people. And religious people, by and large, think they know the gospel, they've been taught, and off they go on their own. Not to be. We're not to go on our own. We're to only do what we see Jesus doing. We're only to speak what Jesus would speak. We're only to love as Jesus would love. He says, not even the Father judges anyone, but he's given all judgment to the Son, that all men may honor the Son just as they are honoring the Father. The one not honoring the Son is not honoring the Father, the one having sent him. Are you willing to honor Jesus? Are you willing in your heart to finally drop your pride, drop your control of your life, drop your arrogance and your pride, and say, Jesus, I want you to make me well. I want you to heal me. And I will wait upon you. I will stand upon your promises. I will cry out. I will not stop crying out. I will stand on your promises and believe that you will do what you have said you will do. The circumstances of my life, the moving of the water... It has not been useful for me. I need Jesus. Verse 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, the one hearing my word keeps on believing the one having sent me. 
has eternal life. What does that word believing mean? It means to be connected to, organically connected to, to be one with. The one having sent me has eternal life and comes not into condemnation, but has passed over out of spiritual death into the life. Some of you today have physical life at some level, or you wouldn't be listening to this broadcast. The question is not, do you have physical life? The question is, do you have spiritual life? Are you connected with Jesus? Is he flowing in your heart? Are you walking in obedience to Jesus? Is he everything to you? Or do you still gain your strength out of things of this world? Do you gain your pleasure out of physical things and ideas? Or have you made the transition in Jesus out of death into life? See, a man can walk around. He can do all kinds of things that will look like he's doing something important, but in the end, it will all disappear. Like my dad, who one day was trying to help me understand, he set a glass of water on the table And he put his finger in the glass and he said, Now, Raymond, what happens when I take my finger out of this glass of water? I said, Well, the water will just fill in where your finger was. He said, Yes, that's correct. He said, When I die, the world will just fill in the empty hole that I leave here. Some things will not be done because they weren't really important to be done. Other things will happen. And soon it will be as if I had never lived on the face of this earth. Because my physical life does not matter. What matters is my spiritual life. And many times I wondered... Why do we live in this little red insel brick home, maybe 900 square feet, with mother and dad and the three boys and two dogs and a cat? Why do we live in this little run-down place out in the country? And, Daddy, why can't we have a nice house like so-and-so has? And his answer was very quick and very simple. He knew exactly what he was doing. He said, I'm making house payments for our place in heaven. Oh, that changed the focus of my mind and my heart. And so he gave 50% of everything he earned on this earth in the physical life. He gave to Jesus supporting radio broadcasts, supporting the work of the gospel in the local church with his tithe, helping people who desperately needed help, taking young men in who needed a place to live, paying for young men to go to a a Christian school, 
He was about life on the other side. And when he was dying, the nurses could not keep him in his bed because he kept getting out of bed in the hospital and they would come in and find Mr. Greenlee on his knees. Why are you on your knees? I'm talking to Jesus. He better be talking to Jesus. He would see him soon. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? You can have your life here in this world built out with many comforts. But in the end, are you dead spiritually? Or have you made the transition from this life to the life in the spirit? So that when you die, the transition is very quick and very easy. Because you're already in the spirit life here on this earth. Remember, God is looking for people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Those are not just pretty words. That must be reflected in the way you live out your life in this world, the way you spend your time, your energy, your money, what is of value to you. And the healing that I'm speaking about today is the healing that transitions us from the physical world into the spiritual world. It's the healing that may have physical ramifications, like the healing of a sick body. It may have physical ramifications in covering the need for finances. Or a husband or a wife, or changing them into the likeness of Jesus. But in the end, it all moves and morphs into the spirit realm. And in the spirit realm, you either go to heaven or hell. And you make those decisions now as you're in this physical realm. There will be no decision about whether you go to heaven or hell as you die. After you're dead, you face the judgment. It's given to man to live once and then face the judgment. So when you rail against another person in the physical realm, you are cutting yourself off from the spirit realm. Listen, you must not marvel. An hour is coming in which all the ones in the tombs will hear his voice and will come out of the tombs, the one having done good things to the resurrection of life, but the ones having practiced evil things to a resurrection of judgment. I am not able to do one thing by myself. Just as I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father, the one having sent me. And then this astounding word. You have neither heard his voice, nor have you seen his appearance. In fact, you do not have his word abiding in you, because whom he sent, this one you do not believe. 
You search the scriptures because you think to have eternal life in them. And yet those are the ones witnessing concerning me. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. You do not have the love of God in yourselves. In other words, you have the love of the world in your heart. You have the love of your own ego in your heart. You have the love of your own posturing in your heart. Do you want to be made well? Then you're going to have to come to Jesus. And you're going to have to lay down your life and begin in every way in this life to do the things that will help you usher into the spirit realm of Jesus Christ. This is not a game. We are facing a horrible storm that is breaking over America, even now as I speak with you. That horrible storm is going to change your world. And you're either going to get bitter and angry. You're going to live in fear and operate in the way of the flesh, grabbing and growling, stealing, condemning. Or you're going to enter into the spirit realm with Jesus Christ, even while you're still in your physical body. And you're going to lift up your voice in praise and honor and glory to Jesus. If today you're sick in your body, lift up your voice and praise and worship Jesus. Today, if you don't have money to pay your bills, lift up your heart and praise and worship Jesus. Enter into the spirit realm by asking Jesus if he would make you well. Lord Jesus, I come with my brothers and my sisters, and I'm asking that you would make every person listening come to a decision about whether or not they will ask you and say, please, Jesus, make me well. Lord, I know you love everyone, but you will not save everyone because everyone will not receive you. They will be their own Messiah, their own God, their own intellectual understanding and the pride of their heart. Lord, please come. Please come and move with power on our behalf. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Many of you are giving to help cover the cost of radio for this month. Last month is covered, and now we're working toward this month. Chris from Washington Grove, Maryland, thank you so much. I don't know if you all know where Washington Grove is, but Washington Grove was a place of revival many years ago where the trains would bring people out of Washington, D.C. in the heat of the summer. And great uh, 
Revival meetings would be held there. He lives in a wonderful place. Chris, thank you for your gift. And thank each one of you who has given. You can write to me at National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. This is Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. One word, nationalprayerchapel.com. And there at the webpage, you'll find a place you can give online. You'll also find many broadcasts and, and YouTube videos. This one will be up, and you could hear it again if you would like to, or you could pass it on to a friend. I praise God that you listened today. I pray that it was healing for your heart. Tomorrow will be a day of prayer. You're welcome to call and pray online live on the radio station, 780 AM. We're broadcasting over the Washington metro area or here on YouTube. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. From falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory.